In this episode, I'm revisiting the topic that I covered in episode 11 of the fifth season. I brought this topic to my entrepreneurship class that I teach at SMU, and I gave my students the opportunity to reflect on it. Their comments actually helped me improve my own thoughts about this topic, and that's why I recorded this episode. Customers are willing to pay a 30% premium when they buy from companies they trust. And with the continuously increasing new customer acquisition cost, keeping loyal customers has significant financial value to the company. Customers are loyal when they trust the company. And not only loyal, they recommend the company to other customers. There are five variables that have significant impact on the trust the customers have in the company and on its profitability. It starts with the company cost. It continues through the perceived price that the customers believe that they will pay and the value that they believe they will get. And it ends with the actual price the customers realize they had to pay and the value they actually got. In this episode, I will analyze the relationships between those variables that make customers trust the company and makes the company profitable. Right after this. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? Do you like buying a new car, getting into a dealership and buying a new car? Be serious. I, I know you don't. I mean, most people don't. By the way, I, I do. I, I, love, I love the process. I love the negotiation. I love the game uh, that you play there. And, and back in, uh, it was 2001, right before Shira was born, that we went to get a minivan. And um, as, as we went there, the, the reasons we went that specific weekend was because there was an ad from one of the dealerships that said, uh, I think that they were giving some like $5,000 off the price of a certain uh, minivan that we wanted. And so uh, we went and uh, they brought the van and, and we took it for a ride and uh, liked it, sat down to fill the paperwork. And of course, when we sit down to fill the paperwork, uh, the uh, salesperson realizes, this is in air quotes, realizes that uh, actually this is not the card that has the $5,000 uh, discount, but, but he's, he can probably get me a $1,500 discount. I said, no, go, go get the other car. So he realized that's not going to work, and uh, he went and uh, he brought the, uh, another one. This time he was smarter. He parked the car next to us, and he asked my wife and my older daughter, Maya, who was, you know, just two years old, to get into the car and kind of get used to the car. So they do that, and we get to deal with the paperwork. And, of course, what do you know? He again got the wrong, in air quotes, car. So he can't give me uh, $5,000, but, you know, maybe $2,000, maybe $2,500. 
I said, no, go get the car that has 5,000. Go check it. Go check which car has that discount. Well, he points to my wife and, and Maya and, and said, uh, but look at them. They're, they're already getting used to, to the car. And I said, oh, don't worry. They live with me. They're used to disappointment. Um, the, the thing is, you know how the process works. And when you don't trust them, uh, you're not going to be willing to pay what they're asking for. You're not going to buy from them. And uh, frankly, uh, you may not... Um, even you, you may not recommend them or, or even go there in the first place. Trust is important. And the process that typically is involved with buying a uh, new car or a used car from a dealership, th that process is not a process that uh, creates trust. And the two main reasons, and I'm, I'm quoting two here, but I'm going to go through many more in the episode, a few more in the episode, are one that what I believe I will pay is not what I end up paying. And two, the value that I believe I'm getting is not what I really get. Like, for example, when you have the uh, the warranty and they say, um, I don't know what they say today on, on warranty. It's like uh, 36,000 miles uh, and uh, three years. But it's what they don't tell you. It's the less, the lesser of 36,000 miles or three years. They don't emphasize it, definitely. And you end up driving more than 12,000 miles a year. And uh, you find that your warranty uh, ended before the three years. Or you drive less and you find that your warranty expired less than 36,000 miles. So that's when you expected a certain value and you got a different value. And those things cause you to not trust the company. And just in case you think that all examples are like that of why you should not trust a company, uh, I branded my my business and uh, and a lot of the terms and the trademarks, I branded them. And, and the way I branded them is uh, I, I have shirts, I buy shirts that have my logos and brands and uh, uh, all, all kinds of apparel. And, and I found a company called Quinsboro. I was getting their, their promotions and I reached out to them and I started ordering from them. And, you know, what I order is what I get, and uh, they're pretty consistent. Uh, they ship ahead of time, and uh, no reason for me not to trust them. Until one day, I ordered two shirts with the logo of the Innovation Culture Institute that I created. And the shirts have arrived, and they weren't made from the fabric that I thought I was ordering. And... Um, not exactly the color that I thought I was I was ordering. After every time they ship, they send me an email asking, how was your experience? And only giving me two extreme options. Everything was perfect or it was less than perfect. It's not everything was perfect or everything was terrible. It's not it was good or bad. It was perfect or less than perfect. Those were the two options. I had a hard time just clicking the perfect because it wasn't perfect. It wasn't their fault, but it wasn't perfect. So I clicked the less than perfect. Didn't take an hour. I got a call from them 
what happened? I'm like, no, I, I, nothing. I mean, I'm still your customer. I like your products. It's, it wasn't your fault. It was my fault. Look, I, I know that, that I was ordering something that, uh, uh, was not, uh, uh, I'm not wearing it. I'm not trying it. I didn't have the opportunity to touch the fabric, but that's, that's the nature of ordering online. It's not your fault. They said, but what went wrong? I said, well, you know, the, the fabric and the color were not exactly, I mean, they look just like, kind of like, like the website, but it's it just, you know, when I got them, it wasn't the fabric that, that I expected. They said, well, we're going to refund you uh, your order. No, don't, don't refund me. This, this is not your fault. This is my fault. Can't believe I'm having this argument with them. This is my fault. This is not your fault. They said, no, that doesn't matter. This is not exactly what you were expecting, what you perceived. And I'll talk about that. What you perceive you're going to get. This is not exactly it. We're going to refund you. And they refunded me. I mean, it's. I protested. I said, no, don't don't refund me. This is not your fault. And, and I'm not going to be less loyal to you. I mean, I'm already more loyal just, just by having this conversation and the attitude that you're taking. That, that you're taking responsibility for my mistake. That I'm admitting to it. Never, didn't matter. They refunded me. I placed another order. Since then, I placed, I think, two or three more orders. I will never switch to somebody else. I'm a loyal customer. And, and here, without, by the way, they're, they're, I'm not getting any uh, commissions or anything. I will recommend, if you need branded apparel, Queensboro. Get it from them. I trust them. And I just saved them new customer acquisition cost to get a new customer if, if you are going to be buying it, to, if you're going to be buying from them. And that was probably worth it. Hopefully you know by now that uh, for every episode, a week before the episode, I launch a LinkedIn poll just to get a sense of where people stand on something that's related to this episode. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say that it was too valuable, the one that I did this week for this episode, but but I'm still, uh, because you might be expecting it, I'll, I'll tell you what it was. So I posted this, what would you, uh, what would make you trust a company less, I emphasize less, after buying their product or service and why? So really what I got, and, and, and I gave three options, uh, I paid more than I thought or than I thought I would pay, or I got less than I thought less than I expected I will get. So, you know, it, it was, or or something else, and, and one person said something else, and between the the people who, the 10 people, that, that was it. So it's a very huge margin of error. Uh, six said that uh, they, what would, uh, what would make them trust the company less is that they got less than they thought, got less value than they thought. Uh, and four out of 10 said that they paid more than they thought they would. Um, both of them are obviously very important. And I, I wouldn't take the 6-4 uh, split here to determine that there is a, a definite uh, uh, inclination towards uh, we care more about the value than we care about what we pay for it. So let me start a with why do we care if we're a trusted company? What is the value of being a trusted company? 
And I'll, I'll go back to the survey that I did in uh, 2018, where I asked the question, what's the most important uh, quality for you? And, and I didn't ask about companies. I asked about salespeople in one of the six types of relationships. But I, I'm going to assume that, uh, you know, the salespeople are to some extent proxy to the company because we don't really know the company. The salesperson is the face of the company. Uh, so I'll apply it now back to the original, to the, the company. What is the most important quality for you in this other person or, or company? 61.2% said it's trustworthiness across all different six different relationships. The highest was salespeople. And here I'm going to apply this to companies. And, and maybe I'm, I'm doing a disservice by applying it to a company, but I, I think I don't. Uh, 77.6%, three out of four people, more than three out of four people, said that the number one thing that's important to me in when somebody sells me something, a company, for example, is their trustworthiness. Now, um, let's assume that you know what the competitive prices are. Uh, you, you know, at the age of the internet, you do. It's, it's very easy to find. Heck, you go to a store, uh, you see something that you like, you immediately go on your phone to see if you can find it anywhere else cheaper, which can be the end of retail shopping in certain categories, not in all of them. But I did a second survey and I started raising the prices to the trustworthy company or salespeople, salesperson. And what I found was that people are actually willing to pay 29.6% premium to buy from somebody they trust. And it depends on a lot of things, uh, including, uh, you know, what are the consequences of getting getting it wrong, buying the wrong product? Uh, you know, if, if the wrong product is, uh, I don't know, uh, I don't know what, water for your radiator. I don't know where I came with that. It's one thing. But... If it's uh, paying to a brain surgeon to conduct surgery on your kid, the premium is going to be way higher for someone you can trust, a surgeon you can trust. But, you know, on average across all uh, cases, it's 29.6%. So they're willing to pay 30% more if they trust you. Is trust important? Yeah. Another thing is loyalty. And specifically, I'll talk about two things. Customer acquisition cost. Customer acquisition cost is the cost of the sales and marketing dollars that you spent divided by the number of new customers that you acquired as a result of that spend. So if you had to spend, um, I don't know, $20 million on uh, sales and marketing, and that $20 million created... 1 million new customers, then you paid $20 per customer, okay? I remember back in 1997, America Online bought an Israeli company called Mirabilis that had a product called ICQ, which was the first instant messenger, internet-based instant messenger. They had zero revenue, zero prospects for revenue. I mean, how do you make money off of an instant messenger? And America Online paid... $407 million for this company. And the reason they paid that was because 
that company gave them 12 million new subscribers. So it was something like $35. If you're trying to put an online ad, I'll, I'll simplify this. If you're trying to put an online ad to get customers to buy your product, um, let's say that uh, in whatever keywords you're trying to capture to send people to, I mean, you're putting an ad with certain keywords and you're trying to, whenever somebody is searching for those key, keywords, I'm, I'm assuming a Google ad, whenever somebody is searching for that keyword, they're going to see your ad. In that ad, you're putting a click, a link that they need to click to get to your website to buy the product or service that you have to sell. And there is a term called CPC or cost per click. Let's say that the cost per click is $2, which is, you know, a reasonable number. It can be higher, it can be lower, but let's, let's just say $2. So for $2, out of, I don't know how many people would see or view that, that ad, but you're going to pay $2 every time somebody actually clicked on the link that you provided there. Great. The uh, next term here is conversion rate, and that's what percentage of them would actually buy it. Let's throw in 4%. You know, in some industries, some products, it's high. In, some, in others, it's low. Let's say 4%. $2 gave you somebody to click, but only 1 in 25 people, 4%, actually bought which means that you spend $50 to get somebody to buy. Now, if you're trying to get them to buy a $20 book, then we have a problem because you spend $50 to get somebody to pay $20. But that's customer acquisition cost. It's $50. Now, there's one more thing for loyal customers. Oh, so obviously, before I get to the next thing, uh, if you can keep a customer, you're saving that customer acquisition cost. And you're going to keep them because they're loyal and they're going to be loyal because they trust you. They're not going to be loyal if they don't trust you. I hope you know that. Then there is another element which I didn't even bring or put into calculation. And that's that loyal customers recommend and bring additional customers. That's what I just did today with, with uh, Queensboro. I'm a loyal customer now. I think very highly of them and I recommend them to others. They may get additional business and not spend customer acquisition cost simply because I trust them and I'm loyal. So what are the five different variables that cause customers to trust the company? They start with the cost, the actual price, the perceived price, the perceived value, and the actual value. They need to be in this order where one number is higher than the previous one. Uh, to, to explain what I mean by perceived, perceived is something that happens at the moment of the purchase. It is subject, it is affected by the marketing tricks that the salesperson or the company is using and all kinds of other influence. You know, if you read Dan Ariely's Predictably Irrational, you, you can see how you can cause someone to, to pay more for something, for the same thing, uh, using a trick of adding uh, something that he calls a decoy. Maya did, uh, when she was in middle school, she did a science project, and, and 
demonstrated that, that she was able to double the revenue uh, for a company in 14%, I think it was, of their customers simply by adding an option that nobody chose. Um, so that's perceived. Perceived is what you believe when you sit there and when you make the purchase decision, what you believe you're going to get, the value you're going to get, and what you believe you will end up paying. The price. The actuals, so two of them are perceived. One of them is cost. Cost is an actual. Uh, uh, and and co cost is the company thing. Everything else is interacting with the customer. Perceived is what happens. What, what you perceive at the moment of the purchase. Actual is what you found, find out later. So once you put the product to real use, as opposed to the demo, you know, it was demonstrated in the store, it works great. Then you take it home and you find out that it uh, doesn't work as well. Uh, and of course, there are reasons why it doesn't work as well, because at the store, they connected it in one way or another that showed you how great it can be, but that's not what you have at home. Uh, now, we, we may consider the total cost of ownership as well. Uh but, but that really depends on the sophistication of the buyer. So sophisticated buyers, they go, how much would it cost to maintain it, for example? Or if I want to sell it after five years, how much of the initial investment will I be able to recover? Some customers consider it, some don't. I'm, I'm not even going to talk about that. Um, and when I talk about the cost, I'm talking about the total cost. Now, value is what we expect to get from it. And I do believe that you can uh, quantify value in dollars. And the reason I believe that is that, you know, if you continue to pay a certain amount for something, then that's really the value that you see for it. Because you're willing to not buy other things you can buy with the same amount of money and instead buy this thing. So that's value, that's uh, cost, uh, then price, uh, actual versus perceived. So once again, the order from lowest, from smallest to highest to be a, a uh, trusted company is cost to the company to make one product, the actual price you're going to end up paying, the perceived price you believe you will be paying when you're making the buying decision, the perceived value you believe you're going to get from the product when you're making the buying decision, and then the actual value. Now let's start looking at the relationships between almost every two. This is where I got a lot of inputs from my students when I presented it to them uh, in, in at SMU the, for the first time. And, and I have to admit, they brought up things I did not think about before. And so uh, I think I'm going to start running a lot of things by my students. So the first relationship is between the actual price and the cost. Actual price is what leaves your pocket, you the customer, but it ends up at the, at the company's pocket, okay? And I'm not talking about distribution channels right now, retailers and so on. I'm talking about whatever entity it is that's, that a customer is buying from. As long as the actual price is higher than the cost, you make money. It's, it's very simple. You're, you're going to be profitable. If it's not high enough, you're not going to make enough money. If it's the same, you're not going to make enough money. If it's dramatically higher, 
Customers will not trust you. Now, we are assuming here that they can find out what the cost is. And once again, at the age of the internet and, uh, and Google and ChatGPT and Amazon, you can probably find out what the real cost or, or at least have a good estimate. And if you know that, if, if you, the customer, you know that the company can sell it for a much lower price and still be profitable, but they sell it for a much, much higher price, you don't trust them because you feel that they're taking advantage of you. So if the actual price is much, much higher than the cost, you have to somehow justify it openly. You, you have to be transparent about why. Why is the actual price so much higher than what they believe uh, the cost is? In, in you know, in uh, hardware software products, uh, sometimes it's a matter of, uh, yeah, the hardware is not very expensive, but the amount of effort that went into the uh, the development and, and the software itself is very high that needs to be amortized. You know, I remember that uh, the joke of this uh, uh, captain of a ship or owner of a ship that uh, uh, the engine quit on him and uh, he looked for a technician, an engineer. He found this engineer. The engineer came around and used the hammer and, you know, he was knocking somewhere and listening very carefully, knocking another place on the engine, listening very carefully, until he got to this one place and he said, I think I found it. Then he gave two strong hammer knocks, told the owner, start the engine, the engine started. Owner was very happy and he said, uh, how much do I owe you? And the uh, engineer said $10,000. The owner said, are you kidding? $10,000 for two knocks with a hammer? And the engineer said, oh, no, no. The two knocks with the ha hammer are $20. $9,980 are for the amount of knowledge that I have that allowed me to find where to place these two knocks. By the way, as a speaker, uh, one of the things that uh, uh, we often face as a public speaker is uh, when I charge what I charge, uh, so let's here just say it's $10,000. Uh, people would say, really? You're going to stand here for one hour, talk for one hour, and you think, uh, and, and you're getting $10,000 per hour at $10,000 per hour. And, and as a speaker, I have to tell them, oh no, the, I, I take $25 per hour. $9,975 are for the amount of knowledge that I collected in the last, uh, 14, 15 years that allowed me to be this effective in that one hour and give you that much value in that one hour. Anyway, we digress. I digress. What happens with when the actual price is actually lower than the cost and you know it, you the customer, you know it, that it's lower than the cost? What happens then? Well, they may not trust you. They may believe that you are actually, um, again, assuming that they know what your cost is, uh, they may believe that you're tricking them. So you got to be careful, you know, with predatory pricing. They may consider this predatory pricing. You're just trying to wipe out a competitor. And I'm not sure how many people would like it. It, it really depends on what the product or service is. And especially if you need it for long term. But they're going to be suspicious when they know, if they know that the actual price is actually lower than the cost. So the actual price has to be higher than the cost. 
reasonably higher. Too high, they don't trust you because you're taking advantage of them. Low to lower than than the cost, they don't trust you because they think that uh, uh, that you're tricking them somehow, and and that's that's a one-time deal. So it has to be significantly to create profit, but reasonably higher than the cost. The the easiest relationship is the relationship between perceived price and perceived value. This is what you believe you're going to pay and get at the moment you make the purchase. As I said, you can quantify value in dollars simply because there are other things that you can buy with that amount of dollars and uh, you're willing to sacrifice that other thing compared to this one. And so the common denominator is that number of dollars. If the perceived value is equal to the perceived price, that's a... That's an easy one. Um, you are obviously going to buy. If it's higher, if the perceived value is higher than the perceived price, you're definitely going to buy. I mean, you you see that you're going to get more value than what uh, amount of money you're being asked to pay. Starts getting a little problematic when the perceived value is significantly higher than the perceived price. Because then again they may worry that they're being tricked, that what they think is the perceived value is not really, is not the actual value. How can I get so much value and only be asked to pay this? Or, or they may believe that the, the uh, uh, actual price is much higher than the perceived price, than what they believe. So make the perceived value higher than, uh, if it's lower, if the perceived value is lower than the perceived price, they don't buy, uh, they don't buy, it's simple. It's not that they're not going to trust you, by the way. They just don't buy. It's it's not giving me as much value as the value that I have for the amount of money that you're asking for. Uh, it gets tricky when the perceived value is dramatically higher than the perceived price. Uh, because then they, they start suspecting that maybe this is not the actual value. The actual value is going to be lower. And maybe the actual price is going to be higher. Or there's any other trickery here. The next one is the actual price versus the perceived price. Perceived price is what I believe I will be paying, the total I believe I will be paying when I make the purchase decision. The actual price is what I find out later that I ended up paying. You know, maybe there were a few fees that were not included there. You know how that works, right? That, that you know that, especially with car ads, I, I don't know why the, the car industry is doing that, but but... You get the car ads, and this car is $199 a month. You can get this car for $199 a month. Find me one time where you actually ended up paying $199 a month. Oh, we didn't tell you about tax. Oh, we didn't tell you about registration. Oh, by the way, we did tell you because there is truth in advertising laws. Uh, but we tell we told you that in such a small fund that your TV resolution did not show you anything. But it was there. Or we said that in the last three seconds of the ad, speaking so fast that there's absolutely no way you could hear anything, but it was there. We said it. That's just getting around. That's just, you know, violating your trust, really. So, actual price versus perceived price. If they're equal, well, that's what we expected. Trust doesn't go up, doesn't go down. That's what we expected. And you know what? Sometimes the predictability actually increases trust. If the perceived price is higher than the actual price, 
you underpromised and overdelivered. I really thought that what this is where you know after everything is said and done and you know you expect to pay twelve thousand dollars and you, you get the bill and and you you pay and it's like ten thousand seven hundred and you're like I thought it was going to be twelve thousand oh we we found a way to give you a discount here a discount there so you made the decision based on a certain uh, perceived price you ended up paying less the actual price was less you trust them. Unfortunately, more often, uh, the perceived price is going to be lower than the actual price. Or I should say the actual price is higher than the perceived price. They're not going to trust you. You know, the, these are all the little things that add up. And at the end, you go, wait, you said $199 a month. This is $327. How did we get from $199 to $327? Actual price higher than perceived price. You don't trust the the company or or people don't trust you if you're the company the bigger the gap the less they trust you you know one of the things that that really annoy me is that this is becoming acceptable this is becoming the norm this is where our selling ethical standards stand and you know what he does it hurts trustability i i just heard recently that I somebody pointed it out and I checked and I, I may not or should not use the word trustability. Uh, trustability apparently is more synonymous with trustworthiness and I should start using trustfulness. So it hurts my trustfulness, my willingness to trust companies. And that's terrible because the level of trust that I have, the eight law of trust, uh, the level of trust that I have in somebody else is the product of my trustfulness and their trust, uh, trust, worthiness and so when this becomes acceptable we trust all companies less now um what happens when the actual price is dramatically lower than the perceived price first of all you as as a company you're leaving money on the table you could have made more money you know the money that you make is the difference between the actual price and your cost you could make more money. And I never thought about that until my students brought this up. So it hurts profitability. But it does something else, believe it or not. It reduces the trust that customers have in you because they start to believe that this is too good to be true. So you lose trust as well. They may consider this as a one-time thing. They may not believe that uh, the value that they're getting is the actual value that they're getting. But they will consider it too good to be true. Bottom line is, if your actual price is dramatically lower than the perceived price... Uh, by the way, the other thing is that they're thinking that you're playing games with them. When you put a certain price, when you know that the price is going to be lower, dramatically lower, it's, it does not promote trust. And the last relationship is between the perceived value and the actual value. As long as they're the same, you know, customers trust you. The, uh, th this is what the value they expected to get. It delivers exactly the value that they expected. And once again, the, there is value to predictability of it is what I thought it is. If the perceived value is lower than the actual value, or I should say the actual value is higher than the perceived value, reasonably higher, again, uh, then they believe 
that you underpromised and overdelivered. You delivered more value to them. They really trust you. This increases trust. If the actual value is lower than the perceived value, which again, unfortunately, happens a lot. You know, this is where you find that the small print uh, did say that it's not going to work that well in this environment, which is really the only environment you should have. They should have expected you to operate it in. That's the small print or the last three seconds of a uh, radio ad. They don't trust you. If the actual value is less than the perceived value, they don't trust you. The bigger the gap, the less they trust you. Once again, it's becoming acceptable and it hurts trustfulness that we have in general. And, and the last is uh, what happens if, when the actual value is dramatically higher than the perceived value. First of all, once again, it, you're leaving money on the table and uh, it, it's too good to be true. They may consider it too good to be true. They may not believe the perceived price or perceived value anymore. And they're going to trust you less. And that's it. It's, it's not rocket science. There are five variables. They, they have to be in this specific order. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that, that I realized, uh, having my students uh, reflect on it, is that the gaps cannot be too high. So, you know, we have to go in this order from the lowest dollar value to the highest from the cost to the company. The actual price has to be higher than the cost. Perceived price higher than the actual price. Uh, or, or really, it's the actual price lower than the perceived price from the customer's perspective. Perceived value higher than the perceived price. Otherwise, they're not going to buy. Actual value is higher than the perceived value. Uh, so they, they get they get more than, than what they thought uh, when, when they made the purchase decision. Uh, you have to keep this order there. If you change direction on any of them, you're losing money and you're losing trust and or you're losing trust. If the gap is too high, you're leaving money on the table or you're making them feel that you have not really communicated or they, they don't feel that you haven't communicated. You have not communicated the price or the value if the gap is too high. And they may look at it as too good to be true. And uh, as a result, they're not going to trust you. You know, you may want to do something really great. You're going to want to make sure that they get five times the value they thought they're getting when they bought it. Or you want to make sure that they're paying 80% less than what they thought they're going to pay. Believe it or not, that's going to cost you losing trust because they think it's too good to be true. Because we all got too used to things that are too good to be true are not true. I'll see you next week. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, 
trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.